Welcome to the Darrell McLean Show. I'm your host, Darrell McLean, and let's get into our episode. Is fully listener supported independent media that won't lead you to tribalism. You can get a membership for as little as three dollars a month at www.patreon.com slash the Darrell McLean Show. We talk about a lot of serious topics on this show. One very serious topic is women's health. One company that stood out to me was vslay.com because the owner is very transparent about her own struggles in the women's health department and has great customer service, great deals, and frequent sales. You can check her out, her great customer service, products about women's health, and frequent sales at www.vslay.com. That is www.vslay.com. So when I started to do this uh, podcast, one of the biggest things I was told was you really have to just have people on that you find interesting and people that you would actually talk to. In the jiu-jitsu world, um, I happened to start to notice a guy by the name of Ryan Kramer, who is an older uh, guy, an older competitor who was just tearing things up and not letting age or anything else hold him back. He has gone on to win two very significant uh, tournaments in jiu-jitsu, and I was happened to be there. Uh, in person to witness one of them and he just won another big one kept putting a big milestone on his purple belt and so I wanted to get him on the show to talk about him his, his uh, journey in jiu-jitsu how he got into the sport and what he does to stay motivated uh, at his age etc welcome to the Darrell McLean show uh, Ryan Kramer all right, guys, so he is now here. Welcome to the show, Mr. Kramer. Thank you, Darrell. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to be on your show, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Thank you. So I got to uh, uh, see you uh, at the Pan Ams uh, fighting for the uh, Pan Ams um, championships, and I missed you in the finals, but I saw all your other matches. So what was that experience like? We're going to kind of work backwards. For sure, for sure. Uh, well, Pan Ams was uh, really a 
crazy, crazy time because uh, at, at my age, um, there's not that many, there's not a lot, a whole lot of people uh, to really run through. There's not like, you know, a 35 man bracket or anything, you know, we're you know, like the last one standing. So, uh, you know, one of the guys in the finals that I had to fight was a guy I'd beat before back and forth. He beat me, I beat him. And there was a rivalry going on because he had just beat me uh, by a false decision per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thought I tapped and I did not tap at a no gi tournament before that. And uh, so I was anxious to get back and, you know, beat him. So it was a great, it was a great fight. It was really good. A lot, right. of, a lot of good time. So you said, you, you mentioned uh, that it's a lot harder to find fights at your age. Uh, how old are you and um, how old were you when you started jujitsu? Well, I am 46 years old, which would be, you know, master four at this point. And uh, I started, uh, I think I was 40, 41, it's about five years ago. And, um, all good yeah yep okay great and uh yeah so i started that that uh, about five years ago and it's been uh, it's been great you know um it's been one of the most one of the most significant things that i do in my life now good good so what how, did you stumble upon it or did you just meet somebody that uh was already doing the sport well my kids did it when they were little they did jujitsu Brazilian jujitsu through another place and then there was a time where uh, my youngest son, uh, I remember coming back from Europe on a trip with my girlfriend and my ex-wife called me and said, you know, my son wants to, you know, Ashton was playing at a friend's house and he wants to get back into jujitsu again because he's getting bigger than him. And, you know, he just, he wants to be able to fight or defend himself. And so that's really how it started. And I took him to a, to a class at Gracie Baja and uh, they got me to do a, you know, trial thing. And I was kind of blowing them off at first, like, yeah, whatever. But then I, <laughs> I did it and I really liked it. Uh, my other son started as well, like a month after that. Um, and then some things happened and they quit and I kept going on. And then I saw my professor competing a lot and I never got in to compete, never had the thought at all. And uh, I was like, yeah, I got to do this. This is fun. So that's good. That so that sounds like uh, either either the Gracie people, the Gracie Bar people, were were good at pulling you in, or you had some internal motivation that uh, pulled you. Um, what um, what exactly is uh, Gracie uh, Barra? So Gracie Bar is the largest uh, team, competitive team, and school in the world. They have. Uh, at one point before COVID, they had just about a thousand schools worldwide, uh, and now uh, they're a big part of the product in Arizona here that I'm at. Is uh, Gracie Baha'i, Arizona? We've got a, a number of schools, you know, around, and uh, so Gracie Baha'i is really good because you can go uh, anywhere in the world. I mean, I've taken my son to Scotland, I've gone to London, and there's a Gracie Baha'i everywhere you go, and you can train at any of them, which is great. Um, it's not an alpha male type place, which is good even though we're the biggest, most winningest team in jiu-jitsu at this point. Um, what's really good is that they always put safety first with people. So, you know, anybody can go into a gym and be a muscle head or get right out of the service and just mm-hmm. go kill it. But if you anticipate of ever having a good kids program or an adult program, like or older adult, like master, like myself, you know, or even a women's program that they're really doing, uh, they're really good at that. And they keep it very systematic and together and, know organize like a team fight like a family right yes yes yeah they definitely um they had a a very large presence um 
when when I was at the pans, I found myself uh, starting to cheer for them because I was I liked the way they were conducting themselves. <laughs> so yeah. I, I love uh, the team. I love that team, that team togetherness. Yeah, yeah, most, most definitely. And, um, my instructor, instructor's instructor, instructor back in the day, uh, he, he was a coach for Gracie Barra as well, uh, Gordo. So I kind of found that out when I was looking up his lineage and stuff. So I've always kind of had an affinity for them, but I had never, uh, had actually, um, been to IBJJF and saw them compete. And so I was, I was actually pretty, pretty impressed by the, the way they were all pushing each other and the way they acted if they won or lost. And so it was, it looked like it was, it was some good stuff. So you say you're our training out of Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. I actually am out of, um, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona is where I started. Uh, but I do train under the North Phoenix school now under Professor Flavio Meda. Um, if you know him, he's basically a legend in jujitsu. And it was funny because when I first started, I had no idea. I know I wanted to go to a Gracie place, no Gracie Baja was. And I actually just looked in the area. And there was like one, like two places. So I went there. And I really didn't know who he was or anybody else. But then, you know, I posted on Facebook at the time. And one of my friends that doesn't go to Gracie Baja was like, oh, man, that's a great lineage. I'm like, what's he talking about lineage? Like, what is that? <laughs> I like, I look it up. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't realize that it was, you know, Masito Maeda. You know, Master Carlos, or Grandmaster Carlos, you know, Senior, Master Carlos Gracie Jr., Flavio Almeida, and then me. I'm like, it's right at the source. I'm thinking, man, if there's any place you're going to learn from, that's the place to do it. Yes. You know, all the world champions are, I mean, I go to different places in Irvine. I travel all over to go to these Gracie Bods. And I walk in and I see, you know, Professor Felipe Della Monica, who's a big, you know, he runs Irvine. He's a big UFC coach. And I start watching UFC. And I always loved UFC. I see all these guys come out with the Gracie Baja guy behind them. Like, I know him. I know him. And it's like you go to, you know, it's like went to basketball, basketball camp and learn from like Jordan and, you know, LeBron and all these you know, champions. So it, it's really, it's really cool. Yeah, it's actually pretty, pretty uh, great that you got with them. And what's so fascinating when I, when I kind of bump into those people, I don't know if you had the same experiences. They never tell you who they are. You, you just happen to look it up yourself and right. and, and that's I think that's how you know they're so genuine like they don't they don't pump themselves up uh, that in, you know in that manner so uh is Arizona a, a good place for uh for, for uh, jujitsu is there a lot of good competition yeah yeah so we have to take a step back about the whole IBJJF thing and the competition thing one of the reasons I started competing at the IBJJF level is because again, like my first, I lost my first 27 fights. Like mm-hmm. that's like, like I lost and people are like, why do you like people quit after one or two? Like, why do you keep going on? You know? Yeah. I'm like, man, some examples I believe for my kids. Right. And it's kind of like, I don't like to lose, you know, and you learn something every single time. It's like playing a video game and you wouldn't quit after losing one level. You go back and keep playing and playing. So you keep going. Absolutely. Um, doing IBJJF there's a larger pool of fighters it's the point and so I travel around because I need to find people my size to fight because I can fight plenty of bigger people that are two classes younger or adult but I don't feel like getting killed you know what I mean yeah. So, yeah. but the, the school here I mean yeah it's a very very good place Arizona even on a, like an MMA level there's other places that you know not jujitsu wise that are training a lot a lot of UFC fighters but uh, there's a very big presence of jujitsu here. It's a very big presence here. Second 
biggest to California, and then I think you know Texas would be the next one. Oh wow! See, yeah, I um I knew Texas ha- had a lot of um, jiu-jitsu schools, and I knew Arizona had jiu-jitsu. I didn't know a lot of uh, affiliates were out there just because my buddy uh, who does the show Rear Naked Radio just moved from Arizona to Texas. And so he was going to a school in Arizona. So, but uh, for some reason, I just, I thought you'd lived in California. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, no, big place for jujitsu. I mean, there's, there's tournaments all the time here. And, uh, and it's also good. It's centrally located because you can go to Dallas, especially during COVID. You know, I fought in Dallas. I fought, I fought in Texas and Florida, Texas and Florida over and over again. If you remember that, you know, yeah. and, uh, now you got like Vegas opening up again. So it's right in the middle of everything, right? And so you get a lot of really good people that are here. Like I said, um, a lot of world champions here as well, too. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big hotbed for jujitsu. It's really blown up. Which uh, I saw that I actually watched when I, when I saw you compete. It was actually pretty funny because I went back to my hotel. It was just a, a personal thing. I feel like the lower belts seemed like they were really trying to get at it like they were they were going after each other and then when it got to some of the higher name people that i've watched on tv forever they were boring me to death and and i and i just was so you know i was like all right i know they're playing very strategic and but i just i found myself just kept going back to my hotel and i would i would look at some guy that i watched fight and i would sit there on my phone watching their old fights on flow and so I saw I saw you fight, and then I went back. I looked at a lot of your matches, and I, one of the matches I saw where you is on a uh, fight to win card. And so how did how did you get into that, and what was that experience like? That was crazy. Like that was unbelievable. I mean, um, I forget how it happened. I think I put in an application, you know, with Seth over there, and I didn't think are going to get a hold, like call me or find me somebody because no one can find someone to fight me that's old and little. Like I'm, for people that don't know on the radio, the podcast here, I'm, I'm light feather, right? So I have to be in gi, 137 pounds to fight 141 with the gi and I'm 46. So most people get older, they get fatter. You know, I started at 182. You know, I came down a bunch of weight classes every year um, with the proper dietitians and everything else. But, you know, um, I put in the application and they found me somebody and I did, I'd never heard of the guy before. And then I like, I looked him up or somehow I got a hold of it. I figured it out. I thought the guy was going to murder me because he was, he was like master one. He's 15 years younger than me. And you know, it's brilliant people. It's like, you know, every five years it's, a, it's, a, it's like a belt. So it's what, you know, another weight class, same thing. It's like, man. So I thought he was going to smoke me and I get out there and I hear my walkout music. Right. And I get all pumped up and, I just go with it, you know. I Professor Flavio with me, Professor Jojo Rodriguez. Uh, uh, he's also my immediate daily professor, and he's one who coached me to the win for the worlds here, the no gi. And uh, he was also next to Professor Flavio um, at the fight to win, and it was just awesome. It just everything clicked, everything just came through, and it was like really one of my favorite fights. That's good. That's good. That so that that style that fight to win. And that who number one stuff. What do you prefer? Do you prefer that, or to the IBJJF rule set, or do you kind of uh, see them as similar? Um, I think they're pretty similar, except one you know with the stage and the lights. It's cool. 
Um, I found, I realized about myself that I perform better when I have a crowd of people around me. Like I get like totally amped up. Like I don't know what it is, but like to have my whole team around me, they're like, and only me. It's like to look at other people who's going to be on mat 12, who's going to be on mat six. You know, it's great to have it there. You know, fighting on the IBJJF, you know, circuit per se is a lot of fun. And I love it. It's super professional. It feels like a pro fight every single time, as opposed to like the AZBJJF, like in a gym somewhere. Like I'm not part of that, right? Um, but on stage, it's different. And I am actually doing, I should have, the, I should know tonight about uh, Third Coast Grappling will be around the 23rd. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, Gilbert Burns was on the car. One of my other professor, uh, Tiago Azo, was on that car. Uh, a $10,000 prize for them. For the old guys like me, it's just have fun. But they're trying to bring a guy for, a, for that. It's going to be another really cool experience. I like them both, man. It's like, that was my first one. I'll do 100 of them if I can. Um, but I, I just, I love to compete. You know, it's a lot of fun. You test yourself and you always learn something, even if you win. I gotta just ask like a, um, a mental toughness question because I, I think that you are absolutely correct when you say that there's some people who will get in, uh, jujitsu or I'll say any, any other sport and they'll lose one time and quit. What? kept you going after you had your initial few losses uh, i think was was it just your your upbringing was it you knew you had kids and you wanted to set that example like you said or was there just you you were losing very close matches and you know you you thought that you could have got the guy next time like what kept you going after you know basically the the adversity of losing um, well, for one, I don't think of it as the adversity of losing. I think I was just maybe too dumb to fail at first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once, like, right, it's my last one. Let's keep going. Like, you know, my sons, my sons were there every single time, live in person, watching me lose. You know, and if I was ever quit, like, what does that say about me? It's like, I'm a quitter. Like, I don't quit. Right. Um, I'm very stubborn. You know, I don't like. I just I got to keep getting better. You know what I mean? I figured sooner or later I'm, I'm going to get to the point to where. I'm going to start winning. Like you have to get there. Like you just have to get through all those bad ones before you start getting to the good ones. You know, I remember uh, I said, you said terrible nerves, like terrible nerves, like just horrible. And one time I did a, a competition. It was like, uh, I don't know, American grappling federation or something. And I literally signed up for eight fights. I had eight fights round Robin. I'm like, I just want to practice today. My only goal today is, lose the nerves so if you go the first time and you go through all the stuff they go with the, the arms under the mat to bring you on it's like it's like the dog race is going down like oh my god i gotta go my turn you do it eight times in one day by four like you're like okay this is just another fight and then you psychologically get that out of your head you know and then you just you, i didn't have a game plan ever i just went out there to see what happened but the guys were smoking they're like i'm little i'm five three and a half and the half matters right and <laughs> like guys at even at like 168 these guys are 6'2 like yes. I have to like it's, there's no way to win like I tell people like the reach is off everything is off like there's nothing you could do just I just at that point when I was fighting bigger people and I realized that I was a, a, a weight thing I'm like just my goal is to go out there and get the respect just get the respect you know if they walk off and like damn dude that was insane like you are way stronger way tougher than I thought like that's what I'm looking for not to win or lose you know yeah, my um my wrestling coach uh used to always tell me if if somebody is on the mat with you when you slap hands after that you slap them in the mouth. 
and you let them know you're there. And he would say right. all those accolades, like, oh, he's a state, whatever. He's like, it doesn't matter. You grabbed him. You grab him as hard as you can. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, especially, I actually like it when I compete if I'm in the underdog. Because I feel like I don't have anything to lose now. <laughs> you know, no matter yeah. what happens, you guys expect me to lose. So that means I can just open up and do whatever, you know. And I was the, under- uh, the underdog for fights to win, big time. Nice. So, uh the the world championships I, I just watched you do it again how did how did that feel like that experience stay with us we'll be right back it goes without saying that this show does not happen without listener support support the Jerome McLean show by going to www.patreon.com and getting a membership for three dollars or you can go to buzzsprouts.com slash Jerome McLean show and hit the subscribe button and join there. Many ways to donate to the show. Independent media that won't reinforce tribalism. We have one planet. Nobody is leaving. So let us reason together. www.patreon.com slash the Jerome McLean Show. Or go to Buzzsprouts and to the Jerome McLean Show and subscribe. It was cool. It's like I. It was funny because I. I, I want to tell people yeah, I trained like crazy, but on one side I did not really train that much because I had this lesion on my ear from like wrestling, like in the mat. My ear just keeps bleeding. It doesn't get cauliflower. It just starts bleeding. So I was trying to get it to heal, um, but you know, it was, so I didn't train that much. But it's kind of like you know, you watch like Hulk and the Avengers. You know, like, how do you get mad? I'm always angry. Like, yeah, I'm always. I'm always in shape. I'm always ready. I always, I never get off my diet, right? I'm always doing what I got to do. I train, you know, I kind of train five days a week or, you know, six days if I can. This is whatever my body will take. So, I mean, it was just, and I got there and I saw the guy and, you know, you got to be careful with nogi people because they might look like little nerds or something, but they can smoke you. So I'm like, don't get cocky. But I saw the guy and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to win. I was so ready. I was like, man, because it's hard for Professor Jojo to travel. He runs the school. He can't get away. So I got him a plane ticket. His other professor, Kyle Gregorio, or Greg, I have to say his last name, I call him Professor Kyle. Um, he's from Brazil. Doesn't even speak English. He came in from Brazil to compete. He's here for a month. You know, we had a great time. But these guys were watching me. If these guys are watching me. And I go out there, I got, you know, Professor Felipe Delamonic in the stands. And I got, uh, you know, Khalifa, you know, Oliveira from Alabama watching. Like, man, I got to perform. Like, I'm not going to lose. I'm, there's no way I can lose. I'm going to die out there. Like, I'd rather die than walk off as a loser. Nice. And it's just, um, you know, it's like, you got to come show yourself. Like, I have the same self-talk to myself on everything. I write it down on my phone. Like, you do the cardio. You do rounds. You're good. You know, like, you're going like, to, this is the right weight class. There's no reason why you should lose at all. Like, all the stuff a coach should tell somebody in their head. I write it down so I don't forget it when it comes to the fight time. That's perfect. That's perfect. I, I somewhat have a, a similar thing. And in jiu-jitsu, I'm making that transition uh, somewhat like uh, you guys did. Like when I wrestled, it was a very uh, selfish thing. I didn't even watch my teammates compete half of the time. Uh, and and I, I used to have this like Dan Gable philosophy. I read a book. Uh, 
Wrestling Fundamentals by Dan Gable. And he was saying something like, you get too emotionally involved in your teammates' matches. So when I, especially like in tournaments where I could ignore it, I was sitting in the bleachers with a thing over my head. So I wouldn't know who was winning, who was losing. When they, when it was my time to go wrestle for the tournaments, I would just go wrestle. And now with jujitsu, everybody is so tight knit. It's like I'm, I'm very invested, you know, in your team. Yeah. And so it's one of those funny things that when I compete, I am just wanting to show that my team's jujitsu is good everywhere. And so it's, it's, it's very funny because I don't, I actually don't get nervous because I just am trying to show that like these skills work. And so I, and so my, my coach actually was telling me today, like he's a, kind of fascinated that over time I became a counterfighter because I used to attack, attack, attack. And I was like, oh yeah, well, jujitsu was always in my head about defense and I didn't want to just be the big muscle bound, dumb wrestler. I wanted to actually prove that like, you know, if you, I, I know moves, I know, you know, you, and so it, it's, 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 uh, it's that thing. And then I think as well, because I came from the wrestling background. Wrestling tournaments are so put together so well that some of the tournaments you go to and there's nobody there. So it's like, oh, this is a big deal, but there's nobody in the stands. So in my head, I'm like, this is kind of like practice. You know, I'm practicing these moves that my professor taught me on a stranger. And and, and it's just like, all right. And, and a lot of times I'm actually, most of the time I'm having a lot of fun, you know, you know, so it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the same thing. And then when it comes to what you said about your training, I always tell people who really, really doubt themselves, I say, you deserve to win. Like you have trained, you, you, you missed that meal. You missed those dates. You missed that movie. You make that guy pay for it, <laughs> you know, I- and so it's like that that good philosophy you can have when you don't have a coach and you have to just you know push yourself through it those those positive right. affirmations what kept you going and how did you keep your jujitsu sharp doing like the lockdowns and everything very interesting and that's a very good question um you know one of the things that we learn about in jujitsu and you know my professor Flavio is super like anyone that knows him he's an unbelievable leader on and off the mat and he always talks about when when you're fighting you have to learn to fight dynamically sometimes you have to you know if you're doing one thing don't keep shooting the same thing on a guy over and over again you have to switch it up if they're going to stuff you or whatever else fight dynamically and with that what comes off the mat is you have to learn how to pivot right and Gracie Baja was very good at doing the zoom they're like the first people to do like organized zoom meetings like across the world it, it was really cool they had, like professor Bra- uh, braulio Sima, you know from the uk doing classes like seminars like stuff that you would have to pay hundreds of dollars for to go see and every day it's like right in your living room mm-hmm. so um you know during the pandemic i actually just um when i was seeing physical therapy there was a, a jujitsu place that never opened upstairs you got a bunch of maps he sold them to me for like dirt cheap. So my, I have a big grate room in my house, like 40 feet by 24, right? You have like, you know, a piano and I'm 46, I'm not 25, right? It's, it's a big home. And I have this big room. <laughs> and, well, 
wall-to-wall mats. And I would just put on a big TV up there, Apple TV, put on Zoom. I would do Baja Fit in the morning, which is our cardio program, you know, and then I would do like a, another class, you know, with a dummy, you know, and, and then after a while I started having my professor come over and we just did privates at my house. So I was really, really active. I was actually more active during the pandemic than I was out of the pandemic because all the availability that's not available right now anymore because they don't do Zoom classes, you know, really. But that's really what I did. We had a very good way of Gracie Bob pivoted really, really well, you know, from having all these rents and, you know, business sites that I can only imagine the overhead they had to pivoting to, you know, keeping people in there and keeping them on the, on the, uh, online. That's good. That's good. I, I was wondering that because I kind of somewhat had a similar experience. I I had just I left jujitsu for like three years, had just started back doing jujitsu, and then COVID hit, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> you know. Forever, <laughs> you can make it through COVID as a new belt or a new coming back. Yeah, you're the best one. Yeah, so I just kind of kept kind of the same. That they, they were trying to keep us motivated and we were training when we could virginia was kind of relaxed you know it's that purple state thing so they were trying to stay open and close and stay open so we were just very like it's open right now get get to the gym and you know we were sending each other instructionals and, and everything like that so it's actually it's actually pretty good i think that covid focused a lot of people in jujitsu because it made them miss it where they had taken it for granted, you know, going into a class here and there. But then when somebody took it away from them and they wanted it so badly. So now when things opened up, people flooded back into that gym, like those uh, New Year's resolutions, you know, kicked off early. Our membership, I know that the membership even at my school went up dramatically after. Like, I mean, there's so many people in our class now and, you know, it's just, it's really cool to see, uh, you know, the people that stuck with it and didn't fall off and you know you're gonna have some attrition some people that you know are gonna go somewhere else or do whatever but yeah man i uh i can't see myself ever not doing jujitsu like it's a whole part of my life at this point like i just need to do it you know so uh every day i try to do my thing and at the same time i stop my work i keep the balance no matter what's going on it's a non-negotiable my business coach taught me you gotta have one of those and so five o'clock five thirty every day boom i shut everything down i have my almond butter my uh, little orange, take it to class, roll for two hours. That's it. So you, you're you very big into not just jujitsu, you're to keeping off that weight that you got off. Did When you started to lose your, your weight as far as your nutrition uh, focus went, was that just because you were starting to want to compete? Or, you know, so which came first, uh, weight loss or jujitsu, or jujitsu then weight loss? I didn't even know I had weight to lose really when I was doing jujitsu and that was not why I got it. And I got it to do something for my kids. But then I started rolling around and seeing how fat I was. And then I started competing. I'm like, well, maybe I can just go down another weight class. And then I hired uh, uh, one of my uh, teammates. Her name is uh, Fernanda Mello. Her, uh, she's a nutritionist, uh, very good from Brazil. And she changed my lifestyle of really how I, do things like the, the, the stuff I really need to do on a day-to-day basis. She showed me the basics of how to really not, you know, how to fight like a jiu-jitsu fighter and be able to eat the right way cool. healthy. Uh, but then it got to a point, I lost, I went two weight classes down, but then it got to the point where I was like, I just couldn't lose that last little part. I just, 
I had it figured out and I talked to, you know, you know, Professor uh, Roberto Alencar, right? He's John Jones' student out of Albuquerque. I called him up like, hey, is there any like UFC ways to cut weights so I can, you know, get down these last couple of pounds? He's like, no, man, I just go up a weight class. I'm like, of course you do, too. So, of course you do. <laughs> so, I had a hold of, uh, I was watching this thing on, on Flow Grappling, uh, Bad Cut. And um, <clears throat> Mike Dolce, so the whole thing about him on there, he's a four-time nutritionist of the year for the UFC years ago. And he's since retired from doing that because he wanted to start a family. But he still has the Dolce diet. And he's worked with, you know, Ronda Rousey and um, geez, uh, uh, just, a bunch of, just a bunch of UFC. I can't think about the top of my head uh, because I'm thinking that much about it. But he's really good. And he taught me, I, I did his program, I read his book, and he taught me the right way to really lose the weight and keep it off. And then how to properly water cut, you know, the right way of water load and then cut at the end. And it's really crazy. Like, Ryan, how do you do it? How do you do it? I'm like, it's super simple. Like, he makes it so simple. So I got to give a lot of props out to him because he really, really knows his stuff like that. And, you know, Fernando for teaching me how to, you know, take the right supplements and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's what really got my nutrition in line. So if you do it right, it's like you, when you go on this Dolce diet, you do, you do it. You're in three weeks to shred it is what it is, 21 pounds in 21 days, which clearly I don't need that at this point. Um, you eat so clean all this time. It's so easy to do the way he does it that when you go eat even like a Lindor truffle from the store, like, oh, it tastes so good. You're like, oh, man, I don't feel good now. Like, you so realize, sick. You look fat. I don't want to do, I don't want to be fat anymore. I don't want to gain the weight back. I look good the way I am, right? So I just keep going. If I want to, you know, have an earned meal, not a cheap, but an earned meal, yeah, I'll go do it. I'll eat what I from all these pizza one night, but I'm not going to do it every night. Gotcha. You know? See, that's, so. that's, that's really good. And I, I'm somewhat on that same thing. When I, when I first got back, it was crazy because when I was in high school, I wrestled 112, 119. And when I got into college wrestling, they I was like, it's the first time I can gain weight. And they wanted me to cut back down to 133. And I was like, no, I want to be 140, you know, something like that. So when I did jujitsu, originally I was 155, you know. Wow. And when I came yeah. back, I was like 220 pounds. And I, it was wow. it was so... I always tell people jujitsu is different <laughs> from, from big to small. I got, I was survived. I was surprised that I was even meddling when I was big, but I think it's because everybody was just so slow. And, 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 and so how do you feel technique wise from a bigger fighter to a smaller fighter? I have a theory. I always tell people, I swear the smaller fighters are better. They're, They're more, they're more innovative. They're more explosive. They're more dynamic. It's funner to watch. To where a lot of big guys, they kind of grab each other and they push back and forward. And it, it takes the first guy that falls kind of, that's yeah. all she wrote, you know. And where small people, like like the Meow Brothers, they open up so much. I'm just, you know, really amazed, especially with some of the female fighters as well. It, it's... It, it's like a whole other whole other world from you know the light heavyweight. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was sitting with AJ Agazar just this past weekend at the World No D, and I went up to him because I saw him last 2019. He's kind of like one of my 
I don't want to say idols, but I look up to man. He's, a, he's just an absolute killer from Ohio State, wrestler. And I said, you know, it's funny. I was looking out, watching all the mats. I'm like, all the big guys are like sumo wrestlers, and all the little guys run and sit down. Like, what is this? Like, what, what? I don't get that, you know? And then he made the same post like that. That's why he's like 165 pounds fighting ultra heavy. He's like, you know, I don't want guys who are going to sit down. I want guys who are going to fight. So I go up and I'll fight ultra. And that, like, he's a killer. He's an absolute killer, right? And I know when I was bigger, um, you know, I had a lot of this bad talk that was like, oh, well, you know, I, uh, you know, these guys are bigger than me. These guys are bigger. If you keep beating me because they're bigger, I need to go smaller. But then the shift happened, and I was like, wait a second. I need to start using the assets that I have because being small is an asset. I just, just because I haven't figured out, it doesn't mean it's not there. So then I learned how to use my size more. And now I can, you know, it's a whole different ball game now. And I, I'm that in between. I don't like doing the bear and polo and all that. If I find myself there, I'll get there. But I haven't seen one traditional fighter, really, that I know of. I won't see Professor Draffolino, you know, one of my actual other idols, you know, look up to doing bear and polo. And he's small. He, he just he doesn't do it, right? It's not a traditional way. There's a place for it in competition and no D and all that. Um, if I need to get someone's back, I know how to get around and do it. But I, uh, it's not something I won't. I won't run and sit down against somebody. I want to stand and take them down. Because I I was a wannabe wrestler. I was, you know, I'm from Ohio originally. And I wrestled in high school for the first two years. And it was horrible because I was terribly underweight. I mean, you have to weigh 88 pounds to wrestle 103. I had to put sand and weights in my pocket to get to the 88. You had the 119s coming down to 103 and smoke it. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I got a taste for losing very early, right? <laughs> and... Uh, so then I, I got out and I, you know, now I'm at my right size. I can actually take people down now and I can snap them down and I can do the ankle picks. And, you know, that, so I don't train no gi a lot because I make my fight, my, my, uh, I make the technique transferable. I'll grab someone's lapel and drag them. And if not, I'll collar, I'll get the collar on them otherwise, right? Uh, for no gi. And it's still the same ankle pick coming at you. You still have to be able to stop it. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, yeah. It's like you learn these techniques and these basic concepts and fundamentals and they transfer. So you you traditionally like the gi better than a no gi. Is that just a stylistic thing or is that just the um, lineage they teach more gi versus no gi? I think that the tradition, I think that uh, gi is more traditional and I think there's a lot more, uh, I like the traditional aspect of the martial art of jujitsu. And I think that when you take uh, as a broad 30,000 foot view of no gi people, as opposed to the gi people, there's a culture difference. Yes. And I think they kept a lot of that respect for the art of the gi. And rightfully so, it makes sense to me because there's more options. So the less options you have, you know, the no gi people, there's only so many ankle locks, foot locks, knee bars that you're going to do, right? Like to spin around. Like that's what they do, right? But with gi, you got the lapels, you got all types of things you can do. Like there's way more options and chokes and I think a lot more fun and a lot more innovative. Uh, so I'm going to be a gi guy all the way. Um, you know, it's just, it's more traditional. I like that, that way of the martial art. Yeah. I, I kind of have the same thing, which is funny because my, uh, professors, they always just thought I would like nogi better because I came from wrestling and I, and I said, no, I like the gi because I like to manipulate the material. And right. I say, there's so many, takedowns and stuff setups that 
are still great in, in the gi, but I'm like, I really could just grab a lapel, take mine out, wrap it around your leg, and you're not going anywhere. And now I'll do the same takedown where, said if I'm wrestling you, you can really get sweaty and funk out of a lot of things that the gi's going to absorb all that sweat and that's just not going to happen. So, so yeah. And, and also, uh, I'm 36, so I'm not as fast and everything like I used to be. So I like the lapel work because it slows things down. And we we are a very wrestler, wrestler-centric room. There's a lot of wrestlers in there. And we, we actually just got another guy that just got done with college wrestling. So I'm like, yeah, I, I'll see you in the, in the, in the gi so I can slow it. And, and I have this same uh, feeling about the kind of the no gi crowd right now. They, they get a lot of attention because they trash talk and they do all that stuff. And I'm like, it's a, it's somewhat the opposite of what you would think of martial arts is when you, think of like the karate kid movies you know and so it's it's just i i think because i would i saw it so much i just didn't really want to be involved in it you know so and, and now it's actually i'm trying to learn a learn a things that are transferable like that as well uh what would you say to somebody who is older who is interested in getting into the sport I would say that you should just get into it because if you go to the right school, and I'm going to be always be partial to Gracie Baja because they're about safety first. Like, look, I think from a business perspective, if I own a Gracie Baja school, I don't want people getting hurt. Then the, the membership money doesn't come in, right? That's my business mind working, right? No one gets, no one pays memberships when they're hurt, right? You got to get, it's got to be safe. It's got to be jujitsu for everyone, which is what it really is. And that's what we look at at Gracie Baja. So go in there, get started and just go. Just go and get going. I mean, I couldn't even make it to the warm-up the first day. I mean, there was an after, you know, class, you know, message I always do. And I'm like, would you please just hurry up, Professor? Just, I'm about to freaking die here because I'm just going to lay down and, you know, <laughs> die. You got to, you know, no one is ever going to come on and be like, you get humbled the first day. That's the first thing you get humbled. Then you realize, man, this is really cool. And then you start learning stuff about yourself. You just got to get that out there and do it. I'm 46, right? I'm 46. Yeah, I'm chasing dreams of a high school. Great. Call whatever you will. But I love it. And this is the only sport you can really do until you're 100. I mean, you know, Elio Gracie, how old was he when he when he died, right? He was over 100, I believe, right? He was doing, you know, blocking young guys, you know, when he was up to his 90s, you know, in the late 90s, he was doing that for all the people, right? Master Carlos, he's, uh, I think he's in like late 60s or mid 60s at this point. He's still rolling every day, you know. So you can. So you can't play football till you're ninety. Yes. You know, too much. So there's no better time to start now, and there's never a good time to quit. My my last question for you is: How do, like, what's your philosophy on how to get better at jujitsu? So, like, uh, my my example is: I always tell people keep their egos out of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how one can keep their ego in it after the first day of being humble, to be quite honest, because I had a bit. And the moment I saw someone, like, you know, just, just choke me in two seconds, I was like, okay, there's something to this. Like, I'm not, like, mad, like, oh, he beat me. I'm like, how do I, how do I learn to do that? Because this is insane. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, he, he, the biggest thing you have to do is you got to keep going. You have to keep drilling. Because as I tell people, whenever they fight, like, how do you 
don't have any you know uh, worries and you go compete. Well, it's like a fight or flight response. When you do fight or when you have fight or flight happen, you know it's being in the service, right? You know when you do this, you're, you're going to fall back on whatever training you. Exactly. And most people have. The only way to train is to keep training. You have to drill and drill and drill and drill, but not like wrestling, boring drilling. I'm talking about just show up. Don't go so hard every single day. It's better to go and show up and. I never ever roll like I compete. I'm just I'm, I'm a different person. People are like if the if the train like you're gonna fight. I'm like no. If I did not in one day, you know. And, and and sorry about that. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh come on, I'm sorry. Um, you know, you go and train too hard every day, and you're not gonna be able to come back to the night. We're old. I'm old. I think I'm old. You know, 46 compared to 20, 25 to that. Uh, so you just got to keep going. You know, you just don't ever quit. Make it a non-negotiable goal at least, you know, twice a week at least. But you start loving it so much, you just got to keep going and just drill and just roll and have fun. The most important thing, Flavio, say is have fun. Go and show up and have fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Uh, my instructor's son, uh, who just got his black belt a few months ago, and he's he's young. He think he's 23. He fights for a team alpha male, and even he says the same thing. He says, you can't come in here and go hard every single day like that. He said, you'll burn yourself out. And what he says is, you should change your goals every day. And then I, I thought about it because in my head, I was like, he's so young, and he was a state placer and all this stuff. And I'm thinking he just, you know, balls to the wall every day. And it was like, oh, yeah. And so I think that's kind of... How I keep it interesting myself. I'll go to flow grappling, watch, fix my game, learn some sets of moves, and I'll think I'm gonna for this entire week try this new move set. You know, I don't care if I win or lose. Uh, right. This is this is what I'm gonna attempt, and that keeps it so much fun because I'll see. Oh, I'm actually getting better. I'm good at that position. I like that. So then I'll ask, you know, my instructors or people, other people. Do you know some of this stuff? And, and that keeps it very fresh and dynamic. So it's like, uh, let me say, like, I'm not going to be able to do a drop step all the time and blast through people. And so I have to figure out other stuff to, just in case that doesn't work. Like to, today I went to a 12 o'clock practice. We're working on me and open guard, which I never, ever do. I've never, most of the time I've been blessed enough to where I get the first takedown I normally get a throw. So my instructor was like, no, you're an open guard. These five people are going to try to pass your guard. And, you know, and so even even though it was a challenge, it definitely, it kept it fun and interesting and it was something new. So I I, I definitely agree. Yeah. One more thing. When I instruct people, you know, I do, all my older friends are starting to do it now. And, you know, I say, come on over, roll at my house, you know, whatever. And I'll just do, not like privates, but it just, you know, they ask me questions, the question and answer kind of thing. And I say, look, the first thing I, I do this with my son now, he starts going, man, I said, look, let's just concentrate today on breathing. Yes. Don't worry about just, don't get submitted. Just block your, block the submissions. Don't try to advance. Just practice stopping me, retaining your guard or whatever you're doing and breathe. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Because that alone, you will outlast people, tire them out, and then you'll be able to progress after that. So only do that. Or for a week, I'll say, look, for the next two weeks, Mike or whoever, I want you to only do this. Walking every day, just let someone get on top, but just don't get submitted. Just block the submit, block the chokes. That's all you do. Just defend the entire time. 
Don't worry about scoring points. Don't worry about it. the ego threat on top of you. Whatever. Just block the people. You know, just don't get submitted. Or iron squirrel it, right? Yes. And yes. Yeah, and it, and it works out. And that's how you really get better. You work on one thing and just really hammer it. And then it becomes like second nature. So I know you said it earlier, but I just want you to say it again. Uh, what do you have possibly coming up and how can people uh, find you if they want to watch you? Uh, well, um, I will most likely have a fight for Third Coast Grappling, which is on Fight TV. Uh, they may have other ways to do it. It's my first th- uh, Third Coast Grappling. Um, the World Gi is uh, the beginning of next month. That'll be on Flow Grappling. Uh, everything's on Flow Grappling at this point. Uh, I use stuff not too much because my competitor become friends and they want to start scouting me on my Instagram. But uh, my Instagram page, you know, Ryan Kramer GB, just, you know, you'll see me on there. Uh, but yeah, I just try to do a steady, you know, route of competing, and it's always usually on flow or whatever. If there's another, and even uh, the other one, a fight twin is on flow grappling. That's usually the best way to find me. But you'll see me. You'll see my on Instagram. I mean, I'm on it all the time. All right. Well, thank you so much for for doing this. I like I said, I I saw you and I was like, oh man, this guy. It was it was actually inspirational because sometimes I I do the oh I'm so old I waited too long and then I looked up. And I, I saw you out there competing, and I was like, oh, man, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, never too old, man. If, if you see me, come on, please come on up to say hi next time to person. And if you're ever in Phoenix, be my guest out here. You can roll with us at the, the GPs. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good So, guys, wasn't Ryan amazing? Um, I got to give him an open invitation to come back to the show. If, if he has anything else he wants to talk about, jiu-jitsu-related or any other any other uh, such thing uh, if you have any questions about how to start jujitsu or, or etc just shoot me something in the inbox of course i'll message you i love you guys i uh, thank you for tuning in and see you on the next episode thank you for listening to today's episode of course if you want to support the show you can do so by going to www.patreon.com and getting a membership for as little as three dollars a month again that's www.patreon.com slash the Darrell McLean show Show is fully listener-supported, independent media that won't lead you to tribalism. Get a membership and support independent media at www.patreon.com slash The Jerome McLean Show.